16. Only 16. Somebody saw us walking down the hallway of the church one day next to each other, and they said something about the long and the short of it. And uh, so anyway. Anyway, Craig, uh, Craig's a dear brother. Uh, you were the long of it. Um, yeah, Craig is a retired pastor and uh, retired to the Bozeman area. He served in Bozeman for a while, and then they moved to Georgia. He's married to Sue, and uh, they came back to Bozeman and retired here, and we're blessed to have him also as part of our counseling team, him and his wife, Sue. Uh, the organization that we're with is uh, Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, and as a training center in Bozeman, we have to have what is called a fellow who basically oversees our ministry, and that's this fellow right here. Uh, so Craig is our fellow, and uh, uh, yeah, we co-teach together some classes on Sunday mornings, and then he speaks at our conference and uh, has a 40-plus years of counseling experience, and so I just draw so much from him, and he's going to address anger and anxiety today, so pray that it'll be a blessing to you. So Craig? Thank you. Just a couple of uh, comments. The uh, Association of uh, Certified Biblical Counselors, I call it ACPAC. You know, the AFLAC, ACPAC. <laughs> now, when it was called NANC, uh, N-A-N-C, I asked Dr. Adams one time, I said, Jay, you'd have to know Dr. Adams to appreciate this, I guess. I said, how come it's not called Nancy? NANC, N-A-N-C, he just looked at me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, one of the blessings... And I'm one of the older, it ends in ER, uh, that uh, James talked about. But what a blessing to see young men, because, you know, when you're, you're sort of moving out of the fray, you don't have that energy for the battles anymore. And uh, to see young men coming along that are solid, that are energetic, that are committed, uh, is a great blessing, brother. Well, we're, ta uh, we're talking about discipleship. So what are we talking about counseling issues for? Well, simple. I define counseling as intensified, personalized discipleship in the Word of God. How does it differ from preaching? Very simple. You, you can't be as intense in preaching are in counseling. And you can't be as personal in preaching as you are in counseling. But good preaching is simply counseling in a different format. So it fits, it fits right in. What we're talking about today, or I'm talking about, I'll be talking about anger and then uh, later on, we'll talk about anxiety, and um, uh, I'm going to focus on fear, because that's a big part of anxiety, and we'll talk about that. But anger, and how can you beat it? You know, Dr. Adams said in his uh, Christian Counselor's Manual, and this was, I think he published that in about 72, somewhere in there. He said, sinful anger is probably involved in 90% of all counseling problems. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think that has gone down or gone up in the last 30-some years, 40-some years? Yeah, right. Did you ever notice so many people are just angry? And I was, I was thinking, James, as you were talking to the ladies and, and describing their responsibilities and how that is so anti-cultural or uncultural, contrary to the culture we live in. But the, the godly women that I know that manifest those qualities are content, they're happy, they're gifted, they're strong. has nothing to do with the strength of the person. It's just they have a different role. And the women that seem to be opposed to that, not all, but I see so much anger. And I say, kick back, <laughs> chill out. Enjoy life. And so, anyway, let me get to my subject. <laughs> the word uh, anger in the Old Testament is a little word off, A-P-H. And you, you, you have fairly full notes. 
And I, I give full notes because, number one, James can still remember stuff. <laughs> I got to write it down. <laughs> but the other thing is, I get irritated when I'm taking notes sometimes and the speaker goes so fast, he makes a good quote. And I, I don't get it down. You got the quotes. Now, James, you went slow enough, and even I could write it down. But the little word off, it's defined as nose, nostril, anger, face. Uh, the Hebrew language is a very dynamic language. And it, it uh, can also mean snort. Now, picture that. You see some people, and you say, man, they're boiling over. They're snorting, they're puff. I mean, you just see that energy coming out in different ways. And I always think that uh, uh, there's a snowy river and that big stallion standing in the, uh, in the, uh, the, the mist, those nostrils are flare. And I just think, what a picture. I don't know if he was angry or not, but I, you see people that way, you know, blood vessels start to, to pop. Well, that's, that's a description. In Psalm 18.8, Referring to God's anger, quote, smoke went out of his nostrils. The nostrils is a little word off. The New Testament primary word is orge. Uh, it's defined as wrath, anger, vengeance, indignation. And the root, it's a root, another word, orge, orgaso, or, orgao, or orgas, which means lavish swelling of sap and vigor. Thrusting and usurping in nature. You, you, you see this, this, this energy. And you see an angry person and they're just a ball of energy waiting to explode on someone or something. But the word orge carries an element of awareness and deliberation. It's not the explosive kind of anger. For example, in uh, James 1.19... But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger does not achieve the righteousness of God. The word, they're both words are orge. Now, the second word, the second most popular word in the New Testament for anger is thumos. Think of the volcano. It carries connotations of rage or anger. It boils up suddenly. And in Luke 4, uh, 28, those in the temple following Christ's remarks when he claimed to be the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. And it says, quote, and all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage, thumas, as they heard these things. So scripture pictures anger as a flaring of the nostrils, a swelling of emotions, vigor, thrusting, surging. It can, but not necessarily, culminate in a sudden boiling over or uncontrolled words or anger. And you see there why uh, the New Testament, Christ talks about, uh, well, in, in uh, Matthew 5, that anger is murder. It's just sometimes it doesn't come out physically. But how many people get murdered in the mind? It's that, it's that same emotion. It's just stopped a little short when it doesn't culminate in murder. Now, the nature of anger, I, I think the Christian community has forgotten how to be angry in a biblical way. You look at, you look at when, when ungodliness is not only overlooked and allowed, but it's legislated, right? We have legislation that legalizes immorality and ungodly behavior. And there's a certain amount of, un, uh, of anger, righteous anger that ought to be there. Now, You'll see later on. It's important that you do something proper with that energy. <coughs> but the nature of anger, it's an attribute of God. In uh, Numbers 11, when Israel complained in the wilderness because they didn't have any meat, it says, and when the Lord heard, heard it, his anger off was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. God gets angry. God hates sin. Mark uh, 3, Christ in the temple. Uh, and the Pharisees were waiting to see uh, if he healed the wither man's hand. And it was the Sabbath. And they wanted to accuse him of breaking the Sabbath. And we read, 
about Christ, quote, after looking around them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. Now, he took, uh, he had a godly response to that. The problem is so many times we don't. You know, we, uh, it's just not godly. But the word here is, is organ in, for Christ. And it has that element of awareness and even deliberation. Christ didn't just blow his cork. You know, he wasn't Mount Mysterious. There was a, a godly anger there. So not all anger is sinful. Righteous anger, and I, I, I get pretty simple sometimes, but I, I just define righteous anger as sharing in God's anger over the transgression or blaspheming of his word or person. Now, there's things that God's allowed to do that we can't. We can't march in and eliminate the Hittites. Uh, or, you know, we can't march against uh, some of our cities. That's God's department. We're called on, let that in his hands. We're called on Romans uh, 12 to uh, love the enemy with kindness. Don't be over, uh, overcome with anger. But it also involves self-centered motives. It means that, that the outcome, there are outcomes that are contrary to the word of God. And we, we, we ought to be upset about motives, we ought to be upset about behavior, but then we've got to respond to that in a godly fashion. Uh, it's commanded in Ephesians 4. And do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger. So you have the, the word, uh, or root word there is orge, and it's, a, it's an awareness, a deliberation, it's not an explosion. Now, two, we must proceed cautiously. James 1 warns us of that. This you know, my beloved brother, but everyone must be quick to hear and slow to speak, slow to anger. Right? So we proceed cautiously. We don't just barrel into it. You have examples. In John 2, Christ was angry at the people when they turned the Father's house into a den of thieves. And in Mark 3, Again, Christ was angry at the Pharisees. We mentioned this before. They were perverting the Sabbath uh, by giving no place for mercy in their observance. Now, I'll mention this later on also, but it's very interesting. With Christ, do you know he was never angry over something that was uh, involved him personally? He never took a personal offense. His anger was always because the father was offended. Now just think of the implications of that. I don't know about you, <laughs> but uh, my struggle is, who, you talking to me? <laughs> you want to mess with me? You know, it's just an ego trip. Christ didn't do that. He took that offense. But when the father was offended, he took action. What a lesson for us. The righteous anger is when we share in God's anger. See, anger was perverted by the fall. Sinful man now usurps God's position, and this is what Cain did, and set up our own standards. And we react with unholy anger when our desires or our perceived rights are violated. You have Cain. Uh, Genesis 4.1, he became very angry, and he murdered Abel. Well, Cain wanted to impose his own standards of worship rather than submit to God's standards. Hebrews 11.4 tells us that Abel brought his sacrifice in faith. Cain just marches in, sort of a ritual, slops the sacrifice on the altar, and God says, no, I'm sorry, accept that. And essentially what Cain said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'll determine what's right and what's wrong. I'll determine how I worship you. So get off my case. God said, no, it doesn't work that way. Now we, we do that. You know, we, we set up our own standards. Here's think you ought to treat me. Wife, here's how I think you ought to respond to me as your husband. Husband, here's how I think you ought to uh, treat me as a wife. 
Now, if they're biblical, then we get biblical warrant. But many times they're not. And we get upset. Or when our desires, we have desires or we have expectations. Expectations are dangerous. You know what the aisle of marriage is? I'll change him. Or I'll change her. Uh, you know, people think, oh, well, boy, man, we'll get married. My problems will be cut in half. <laughs> she, she, she can carry half my problems. Oh, then the dump truck backs up and dumps it on you. And so, whoa, what is this? What's going on here? Right. Expectations can lead to anger. Well, in 1 Samuel 18, you have Saul's jealousy because David was given greater praise uh, than he was. And ladies, you got David in trouble. You started singing the praises of David and Saul didn't like that. And uh, he tried to kill him eventually. It says he became very angry. So it was perverted by the fall. And we'll see later that that energy of anger can, can be used constructively. Now, and D, sinful anger is simply when God doesn't share our anger. Practically, sinful anger is often the fruit of desires of the flesh, unforgiveness, or desire for control. James again says, let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Because the anger of man doesn't work the righteousness of God. Notice it does not say the anger of God does not work his righteousness. Because in fact it does. But our anger is not God's anger. So many times. One sinful anger is when our motive is self-centered. I'm just going to jump through these. When our motive is self-centered. You have Herodias had John the Baptist beheaded because uh, he confronted her with adultery. Uh, two, anger is sinful when, when the issue is a violation of our perceived rights. Now, how, how practical and, and rubber meets the road does this get? Oh, rubber meets the road. I must be thinking about driving, <laughs> right? The universal location of anger. <laughs> I got a right. For you guys taking that combine to the next field, not to be on the road when I'm trying to get over to Whitehall. Move it over, boys. I got a right for him to be home on time when the meal's hot. I'm sorry, that calf didn't deliver when it should have. That's not my fault. You belong here at the table. Perceived rights. We have perceived rights all over the place. I'll talk a little later about how many rights we have. All right. Cain did that. He had a perceived right. Haman did it. He thought he had a right to be next in, or second to the king. Didn't make out so well. Verse th or Number three, anger is sinful when we're angry because we haven't gotten our way. King Ahab killed Naboth to gain a vineyard. He wanted his way. I mean, just look at the kids, you know. They went their way. And we, we think, oh, how can that kid be so selfish and self-centered? Well, you know, that's, that's, that, that sign you pass down in Bowdoin that says, big boy toys storage? <laughs> All right. <laughs> that little anger temper tantrum that we see in the children, just elevate it a few years. And we see ourselves, don't we? It's there. Don't get our way. Anger is sinful when it's handled wrong. Here's some of the ways we handle it wrong. Uh, blowing up, you know, Galatians 5, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, and one of those is outbursts of anger. Procrastination, you know, we put it off, Ephesians 4, 26, do not let the sun go down on your anger. See, stirring. Proverbs 15, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife. It warns us to stay away from such a one. Clamming up. Sometimes we just say, I, I had a couple one time I was counseling, 
And the husband said she was angry. I'm, I'm talking to both of them. The, the son said she was angry and the children. The pastor said she was angry. She said, I'm not angry. You know why? Because she was a stuffer, not an exploder. Oh, she boiled underneath. And I could, I won't go into well, how we knew that. But uh, see, it's not just stirring up or blowing up. It's clamming up. What does it do to communication? You know, you're, you're, you're angry at your wife. And you walk through the kitchen and you think of saying, oh, you think of making just a casual comment. Ah, forget it. Or you're sitting at the table and she's talking and you're not saying much. And you think of responding, ah, forget it. That sound familiar? Anger. Anger. We clam up. That leads to a lot of problems when you stop communicating. E, be filled up with anger. Ephesians 5.18, we're to be filled and controlled by the Spirit of God, not anger. D, keeping a record. Love does not take into account or long suffer. Dr. Adams tells a story. Uh, I, this isn't all in his books. I, I had a privilege of studying under him, being friends with him. But he tells a story that uh, a couple came in and she had a, a brown shopping bag with her. And he said, well, how can I help you? She reaches into the shopping bag. She flops this manuscript on the desk about an inch thick, eight and a half by 11 pages, single spaced, 13 years. <laughs> she recorded everything that upset her. And Dr. Adams, in his own way, just looked at her and said, uh, yep, that's the problem. <laughs> we got to be careful not taking into account a wrong suffered and, and keeping a, a grocery list. When someone starts getting hysterical and then goes to historical, you know you got problems. And that happens with men and women, by the way. G, fretting. Psalm 38, cease, 37, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. This is self-talk. This is when you talk yourself into anger. I was talking to my kids one day. One of my kids. I'm standing there, and I wasn't angry. And I said, what do you think you, who do you think you're talking to? And I actually thought to myself, because I'm getting ready to say, say it again. I'm saying, Craig, you're going to talk yourself into being angry. I didn't listen to that. I said, who do you think you're talking to? The third time, it was, who do you think you're talking to? I stood there. I knew I was doing it. And I fretted. I talked myself right into it. Watch that self-talk. Watch that self-talk. Fretting. How's he steered? Next time he charges me, I'm going to split his head with an axe. Sorry for those of you who aren't farmers. <laughs> uh, all right. Deny or otherwise refusing to deal with it. Proverbs 26, he who hates, listen, he who hates, disguises it with his lips, but he lays up deceit in his heart. That's hatred. That's anger. I, last one of these, displacing, displacing it. 1 Samuel 20, King Saul expresses angry toward David. By what? Who did he throw a spear at? Remember? He threw the spear at Jonathan, not David. He displaced it. <clears throat> it's the old story, you know? You come in off the field, you're tired of de dealing with those cows, and you walk in the door, and dogs laying there and won't move, you give them a kick. Well, he's upset, and he chases the cat. And the cat gets upset. He jumps up and eats the goldfish. What did the goldfish do? He was just swimming around his tank. We displace it, don't we? Yeah. Bad, bad day at home, and we take it out on the kids. Wrong ways of displaying or using that anger. Five, back out the numbers again. 
Anger is sinful when we bear a grudge or take vengeance. That's a powerful thought. Leviticus 19. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against your, your sons of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. How many times is, do we take vengeance or, or hold a grudge and it just grinds away? Well, who's, get, who's getting hurt? There's a bunch of clever little sayings I can't remember any of about who gets hurt when, the, uh, when, when you're angry. And finally, you go up to the person and say, listen, I'm sorry, I, I've, I've really been upset with you. And they say, really? For five years? We laugh and chuckle, but it goes on for five years, 10 years, 20 years. <laughs> I just heard of a story. Two, two men professing to be Christians. They're brothers. They haven't talked in 10 years. How sad. How sad to be laying there in your deathbed. You got about five minutes left. And you think, oh, I should have talked to Sally these last 20 years. Don't get to that point with those regrets. Don't bear the anger. Don't bear the grudge. If God's not angry, why should we be? Think about that. If God's not angry, why should we be? But even righteous anger can be corrupted by sinful motives, methods applied, or sinful outcomes sought. You've got to watch that, uh, how we deal with anger. <laughs> so the handling of anger. Be discerning. Or, or be, have judgment. And 1 Peter 4.8 says, Love covers a multitude of sins. You know, people rub us. We say, well, he really rubs me the wrong way. Listen, people rub us the wrong way all the time. And if we're going to get angry every time we're rubbed the wrong way, we're going to be rubbed raw. <laughs> and we're going to spend our lives angry. I mean, come on. How much fun is it to live angry? Think about that. I said to a couple the other night, I said, listen, I don't want you guys to get to that point in life where you're just about ready to leave and, and say, wow, I wish we had made something more of our marriage. I wish we had interacted with each other. I wish we had reached out in love with each other. I wish we hadn't spent the last 30 years angry with each other. We've got to deal with it in, in, in a godly way. Love covers a multitude of sin. There is a place to deal with it, and there's a time to deal with it. But be careful. Be discerning. Is the action or attitude passing or a pattern? If it's a pattern, then we, for the other person's sake, we need to deal with it. We need, we need to help them to see it and address it. But you know what? If, if you all just got home and it's been, it's been a hard day, you've been at the doctor's and, and it's been icy, you came over the hill and you, you slid and you, you, know, you almost took out the guardrail. And you finally got home, you had to break a drift to get up to the house. You're not in a good mood. Step back. That's a good time to pray what the psalmist prayed. Set a watch over my mouth, O Lord. Set a watch. Help me to zip it, Father. I mean, I, I thank God. Thankfully, I mean, listen, I failed in enough ways. But thankfully, along the way, early on, God said, Craig, just keep your mouth shut. That was such a blessing to our marriage. I mean, there, there were so many things I wanted to say. I said, keep your mouth shut. And 10 minutes later, I said, boy, that was a close one. Thankfully, she never, my wife never knew it. Now, there was plenty of times, don't worry. Uh, I'm not sitting up here saying, hey, I'm the perfect example. But uh, learn to discipline your tongue. Three. 
If, or if you see that pattern, then you have to deal with it. But will the sin continue to affect you or others in a significant way? If so, you, got, you have to address it. Matthew 18, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. In private, if he listens to you, you've won your brother. How many times do we talk to two or three friends on the phone and then finally someone says, my wife's good at this. <laughs> Craig, have you prayed about it? Like, <clears throat> <laughs> come on. We talk to everybody but God. And he's the only one that can really do something about it. So we grow, thankfully. We mature. Or Galatians 6.1, if your brother's stuck in a sin, and it's, or it's hindering his growth or something. It says, even if a brother is caught in any trespass, that doesn't mean, aha, I got you, because you open a door. No, that means he's stuck. He's in the mud. And he's buried the thing up to the frame. And he needs help because his tires are bald and it's wet. He's not going anywhere. It's time to get the toe strap and pull him out. That's what it's talking about here. If anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual. Now, that doesn't mean God's A-team. He's just talking about out of, out of chapter uh, 5, someone who has the Spirit of God in him. If you're a believer, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. All right? We need to be gentle with each other. And looking, or each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. One of the things, you know, I, in counseling, you help a lot of people out of the mud. You help them get them stuck. One of the things I tell guys, if I'm counseling a guy and he's messing with porn or he's, been, he's committed adultery or something, and I tell him, now listen, and I ask him a question. I say, listen, I don't want details. Don't give me details. All I need to know is basically what happened. Because I'm a man. I don't want to know that information. We got to discipline what we stick in here. They even do that. Think about this. In my hometown, 3,000 people, we had a creek and we had the old dump, part of the one, one of the dumps. And uh, I was out there, I don't know what I was doing. We're looking for rats to shoot or something, or uh, just messing around. I saw this sign of things you couldn't put in a dump. And I thought, well, a dump's a dump. Well, no, there's things you can't put in a dump. Listen, there's things you don't want in your mind. If they put limitations on the dump, we ought to put limitations on our mind, right? There's things I don't want to know. I don't need to know. Looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. All right. Express anger righteously. Look for your motive first. Examine your motives. Has God been offended? In Psalm 51.4, sin always involves an offense against God. He says, against you, you only have I sinned. All right. Now he's not saying, I haven't sinned against Bathsheba. But he realizes it was not Bathsheba's law that he broke. It wasn't her moral standard that he broke. And he stands before God, and we need to learn to do this. He stands before God, and it's like there's no one else around. It's like, it's like the man of the, uh, help me out here. You have the Pharisee on one end, and you have the, uh, no, you have the fellow on the other end, and he's praying. Lord, and incidentally, he says, Lord, forgive me, the sinner. And James, the word towel is there. It's the sinner. I say that because I know he loves the language. It's not, Lord, well, I'm, I'm a sinner too. Oh, no, don't do that. I'm the sinner. It's between God and me. What's my motive as I address this, against you only have I sinned in your sight. 
so that you're justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Two means be controlled. God's slow to anger. God himself is slow to anger. Nehemiah 9, they refused to listen and did not remember your wondrous deeds, which you had performed among them. So they became stubborn and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness. Boy, praise God, huh? Gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, and you did not forsake them. What a lesson for us. What a picture of how we ought to respond to other people. B, be slow to anger. James 1.19 again. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. C, rule your spirit. This is one that really grabbed me one day. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures the city. And my question to me, and my question to you, what rules your spirit? The weather? Your spouse? The kids? Your boss or the Lord? What a challenge to us. D, answer gently. Proverbs 15, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How easy it is to throw fuel on the fire. What? What did you say? Let me tell you something. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm not sure. Help me understand what you're saying. Bring the temperature down. Be the water hose, not a fuel line. E, can, you can control your anger. Ah. I said to a counselee one time, I said, you know, no one can make you angry. And they looked at me like a, uh, Pastor, what planet are you on? Listen, nobody can make, that's the key, make you angry. They can tempt you. But how you respond is your responsibility. So we got to take control once again. 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has overtaken you except that is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Don't you love Adam? Lord, it's that woman you gave me. Not only did he blame his wife, he blamed God. No, no, take responsibility. We're going to see that topic, that thought come up a lot today. C, or three, use discretion. Proverbs 19, a man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it's his glory to overlook a transgression. In our culture, you know, to be a man is to blow up and let them know they can't mess with you. But that's not what Scripture says. James was talking about how our culture just pushes us in the wrong direction. Yes, it's a depraved culture. We're sinners living it redeemed. But we live in the midst of sinners. And it's not just individual people. It's a culture out there. And you say, well, it doesn't affect me. Hey, if you, That's like a fish saying, hey, no, I'm not wet. My culture around me doesn't affect me. I'm going to the dry cleaners. No. Come on, we live in it. We're immersed in it. The ads you watch, the people you listen to, the books you read, the magazine articles you read. It's a culture. And we need to understand that 
And we need to learn that it's the glory to overlook a transgression. Four, keep current. Do not let the sun go down your anger. Now listen, if you've had a hard day, it's 10.30 at night. It's probably best to wait till morning. And if you're really struggling with this, just move to Alaska. It'll give you six months. <laughs> but don't miss the point of the passage. It's saying, deal with it. Get it dealt with. Don't let it sit there and stew. Ladies, what happens when you make a, make a, a, a stew or a broth? Like you put, you, 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 you know, after, after uh, Thanksgiving, you got the turkey breast and everything. What do you, you put that baby in a pot and you boil it in the water and you make broth. Well, when we stew, we're like that leftover turkey. We begin to impact and influence everything we're immersed in, everyone we're around. You start out with water and you end up with broth. You start out with a pleasant, uh, uh, peaceful day and you got and the peaceful home. And you go, all of a sudden you got conflict all over the place. Keep current. Even righteous anger has to be dealt with expediently. Five, attack the problem, not the person. Ephesians 4.29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. Three things. First, don't let an unwholesome word. That word sometimes was used to describe the, you know, they used to have garbage pits and they'd throw the trash in. It was used to describe that slime that, you know, grows down the bottom of the pit. You've seen it if you ever use a galvanized garbage can. Uh, don't let that come out of your mouth. But only such a word as a good for edification is it edifying? Is it building up? And then according to the need of the moment. According to the need of the moment. What's the need of the moment? My kids would come home. And what was it? they walked through the door. The first words out of my mouth were, all right, whose bike was that in the driveway that I had to get out and move before I'd get in the garage? Or which one of you guys cut the grass and let a half-inch strip between each pass? And all of a sudden I realized, you know, my kids don't come to me when they come home anymore. I started thinking about this. I had to ask the word, would you come to you? No. My words were not according to the need of the moment. It doesn't mean I didn't address those, shouldn't address those things. But what was the need of the moment? Timing is important in what we say. Outcome, we need to confront or cover, or forgive, confront or cover. Luke 17, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. All right, then you have a page that it says across the top, model for the dynamics of anger. I don't have a whiteboard, but you have that page, and I'll, I'll walk you through that. Okay, you got it? Everybody got that page? Okay. One, the top there, those two lines across with a hash, write problems or circumstances. Problems or circumstances. And then you have that arrow going down. Leads to. Okay, right on there. Leads to, and then go down to the uh, two circles, and in the center, not to, not the to top, but in the center where that line is, right anger. So you have, this is the dynamic. Problem, circumstances, leads to anger. Now, it's important that, I, you notice I said leads to, not causes. Okay, we're back to that personal responsibility again. And if you have a page, I think it's another page, you have a picture of a toothpaste tube with a heart dotted lines drawn over it. Okay, 
Now, that's a toothpaste tube for those of you who don't appreciate my artistic abilities. <laughs> if, if you squeeze that toothpaste tube, what comes out? Toothpaste. All right. Hey, sharp group, Blake. <laughs> Why doesn't strawberry jam come out? There's no strawberry jam in there. This isn't rocket science, is it? Now, those two arrows pointing in, as you look at your page, on the right-hand side, then on right, life's, L-I-F-E, possibly yes. On the other side, pressure. So those arrows are life's pressure are squeezing the tube, are squeezing us. And if sinful anger comes out the top, uh-oh, <laughs> that's a tough one, isn't it? Why does it come out the top? Because then right inside those, that perforated heart, sinful anger or attitudes that lead to sinful anger. The only reason sinful anger can come out is because there's sinful anger or the attitudes that lead to sinful anger in. We cannot say, Boy, you make me angry. I wouldn't get angry if my boss wasn't such a jerk. No. No, they're just, they're just showing us what's in a tube. Now, we ought to praise God for that. Because now it's out in the open. And we can deal with it. You know? What, what, did, what, did, David, what did David pray? Try me, or test me. Try me, O Lord. See, it's just parallel there. He says, test me. And he says, try me, squeeze me, Lord. And see if there's any evil way in me. What's he saying? Lord, please bring it out. I know there's stuff in there. Bring it out so I can deal with it. Because I want a clean heart of, of Psalm 51. I want a clean heart. All right, now, go back. And you can use that with counselees and basically... You have the instructions there. Just have them read through it. Now, we did uh, problems, circumstances, leads to anger. Then in that outer circle down there, you have two concentric circles. At the top right, energy. Anger produces a lot of energy. You have the circle and then a the bigger circle. Right at the top where that arrow comes down, right energy. No, no, no. Oop, right here. We're not down here yet. Right up here. Energy. Anger produces energy. You can be dog tired and get angry. And man, that old adrenaline hits you ready to go. Problem is, we tend to use that two ways that are wrong. One, we clam up. That's the spiral. That leads to all kinds of nice things. Neck aches, teeth aches, back spasm, headaches, stomach problems, etc. You go on and list it. Or go to the other side, the, the volcano. We blow up. You know, we throw dishes, slam doors, speeding a car, cussing, cursing, hitting a person, etc. Go on up. Yeah. Those are wrong uses of the energy. God gave us that energy for another reason. Now, guess what happens? Now we're going to continue on down where you have that circle that's split by a hash line, that bottom circle. Guess what? When you have anger and energy and you use the energy, what's left? This is higher math. <laughs> yeah, anger and energy, less energy leaves anger. Your anger didn't go anywhere. Now, maybe you're too tired to deal, deal with anything now, but the energy, you just wait until you build up a full head of steam. You know, it's kind of like your compressor. That baby runs, and it fills up. Then you, you use it, and it pressure drops. Well, it's still a compressor. you still got air in there, 
You just have to wait till the pressure builds back up again. It'll blow off the steam, off that exhaust valve. That's what happens. That's why people cycle. You talk to a woman who's been physically abused. And she can tell you, I'll bet you within a day, when the next occasion is going to happen. Because she, she, husband blows up, maybe slaps her. That's another topic. Then, an hour later or the next day, he's so apologetic. Oh, he buys her flowers, buys her candy. He's so nice. And she's just standing back, just watching. Yep, been through this before. And she watches as the pressure builds, as the pressure builds. And she knows it's going to blow. Because the anger didn't go anywhere. Sad. But you know what else is also often down there? Depression. Depression. Depression means no way out. I can't see through. I've lost hope. And so people that get angry and blow up, they say, oh, I can't, I gotta stop doing that. But they don't know how to deal with the root of it. And so they, they, they make it okay for a while. But then depression becomes, or, or anger becomes a habit. And pretty soon they, they go from someone who is a person who gets angry to an angry person. And at that point, many times, people just give up. I don't know. I guess it's okay for other Christians. They seem to handle it, but I don't know. I, I just, I, I can't. They lose hope. And when they lose hope, they tank. They're depressed. All right. That's the wrong way to deal with anger. Now, so how do you, how do you deal with it? Well, go back up. You got that in the middle. You got those two circles, concentric, one within the other. And you have that vent arrow that goes out around the side. Okay. In that, right, Direct energy toward problem. Direct energy toward problem. It's not wrong to have the energy. That's God's gift. He's saying, we got a situation you need to deal with. And he gives us the energy. Now, say, well, I don't know. I, I, I just don't have the power. I, I, well, listen. We'll back up the top. You have those two lines, problems and circumstances. Then go a little farther, drop down, you have two more lines. On, as you look at the page, on the left-hand side, write 2 Timothy 1.7. And then draw an arrow from there over to that arrow that curves up. You're up here, Timothy, or 2 Timothy 1.7. Then draw an arrow here, over to here. While we're looking... Then you have over here, you're going to have 2 Timothy 3.16 and draw an arrow up. So here and here. Now, 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy 1.7. For you have not received a spirit of fear, but of what? Power. You know what the Greek word is there? Okay, James, I'm going to put you on the spot. What's the Greek word, James? I will tell you, he knows a whole lot more Greek than I do. Dunamis. Yep, you're right. You're correct. Dunamis. Hey, here's a no-brainer. What English word do we get from that? Dynamite. Power. Boom. Power. I, I saw, I read an article in uh, uh, National Geographic one time. It was talking about the gas clouds out there, way out there, light years away, that are like, uh, I don't know, a 10... Ten light years long or something like that. A light year is how far light travels in a second or a year. Light travels about a, roughly 175, 180,000 miles per second. Seven times around the earth, okay? Every second. Put a year's worth of those together. You got a pretty long distance. My truck won't make it that far. God created those. He spoke and it, it came into existence. That's the God of power that lives in us. Now, don't ask me how he got all that in us. <laughs> well, I do know through the person of the Holy Spirit. But that's the power that's available to us. We cannot say, well, I just don't have the power strength to do that. If God calls us to do something, we have the strength, okay? 
God calls us to do it. We have the strength. Now, cross over. How about the how-to? That's the 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, for training in righteousness. It teaches us who God is, who we are, what's right, what's wrong. It teaches us what's right. It reproves us. The word carries connotation of being slapped down, knocked down. So it teaches us not only what's right, it teaches us what's not right. Third, it's profitable for correction. God doesn't just slap us down and say, oh, lay there, baby. You're cooked. It says profitable for correction. In His grace, He stands us up. He gives us the word of truth, the word of God that tells us how to get back on our feet. But He doesn't stop there. That's how to get right. Training in righteousness is how to stay right. He says, okay, now I got you on your feet. Now let me tell you about the potholes of life that you want to miss. Because I don't want you falling down, falling down, falling down. I want you to be able to stay on your feet. So teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. That gives us direction as to how to use the energy produced by anger. So we can use it to attack the problems and the circumstances rather than attack people. But we need to know the word of God so we're able to do that. All right. I think I'm to the end. Oh, this is a, this is a tossing. This is not in your notes. You'll have to write it down. So when you're, when you're dealing with anger or you're dealing with someone with anger, Help them to get a godly perspective. I call it the RPR. R, first R, is rights. What is a right? It's something you earn. A right is something you earn. Romans 4, 4. Romans 4, 4. <laughs> now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. Okay, it's earned. Now, let me ask you a question. How many rights, how many things have you earned in life? How many rights do you have from God's perspective? As you stand before God, how many rights? Pardon? No? No? Good try. What's that? What's that? You rascal, you were ahead of my notes. <laughs> Good. That's right. Can you think of a Bible verse that says that? Romans? The wages of sin is death. That's right. When we stand before God, think about this. That's the only thing we can stand there and shake our finger in His face and say, give it to me. I fully earned it. All right. That's not what we want to do. Second word. RP, P, for privilege. Privilege. Privileges are gifts. What does James 1.17 say? Every, every good and thing given and every perfect gift is, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Every good thing we have, everything is a gift. We didn't earn it. I can't stand before my kids angry and be righteous because, because I've been such a great father, I've earned the right for you to obey the first time I speak. I can't say that. When my kids obey, I got to say, wow, Lord, thank you that you blessed the teaching. Thank you that you moved in their hearts. Now, what does that do? That completely reorients us for the angry person. Because if we understand that, we become a thankful person. And when we start to get angry, I got a right not to be interrupted when I'm thinking. I got a right for him to be here when the meal is still hot. I got a right for her to have a clean shirt in my closet. 
I got a right to not be a, someone pull in front of me on the highway. I got a right. No, 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 no. We thank God we got a car to be in on the highway and we're not driving over rocks. We thank God we have a closet to hang that shirt in. We thank God we have food. Sadly, it sometimes gets cold. You see how that changes our attitude? I had a man come back one time after studying this and memorizing it. He said, wow, Greg. I changed my life. We hadn't even gotten down to the details yet. But he understood what the scripture was saying to him. Okay, so he said, okay, I don't have any rights. I don't have any privileges. So I guess I just let the kids run wild. You know, I don't have any rights. I don't no, 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 no. Third word, R, responsibilities. Responsibility is a duty. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's a duty. We have a responsibility to train up our kids in the way that they should go. That means we have to discipline them. That's a responsibility. Okay, those three words I find very helpful when I'm counseling people. Now, three other words. And I use this with, uh, if, if, you never, if you've never seen Wayne Mack's uh, study on anger, it's excellent. Learn to use it. Another question. Now, he has nine questions there to think about when, you, when you're tempted to be angry. I can't remember that much. So I boiled it down to three questions. One, what is God up How many of you, if you're brave, you can raise your hand. If not, don't. God, all hands will be up. How many of you, when you get angry, your first thought is, oh, wow, what's God doing? This question forces us to put God in the picture. God is a sovereign God who works all things after the counsel of His will. Who works, uh, Romans 8.28, I just went blank. Uh, we know that He causes all things to work together for good. That's our God. That's the God that loves us. So when circumstances happen... God is in them. God was in Job's circumstances. God was in the psalmist and Psalm 88's circumstances. This is God's world. He loves us. He's involved in our lives intimately. So what is God up to? Second question. What right am I claiming? Right. Let's get a biblical perspective on this. Who am I? am I claiming? And the third question is, the, the, those you might say are the first great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The third brings in the second commandment, to love your neighbor. Excuse me. How can I minister to the person with whom I'm angry? Or how can I minister in the circumstances about which I'm angry. You see what we just did? We changed the arrow from what? From inward to outward. We changed the focus from inward, self-centered, self-focused to outward, God-centered, other-centered. Okay, I ran late. That's what, I, I keep giving examples. I get myself in trouble. But uh, where's our, do you, you want to take questions or do you want me to pray? Let, let me just pray and then we can take questions if you want, whatever you want to do. Let's pray. Our Father, Lord God, we confess that anger is an issue that we wrestle with. And whether we blow up or clam up, Lord, it's there. Help us, O oh God, when we're tempted to anger, to ask, what, what are you up to? Lord, what are you trying to teach me here? 
more patience, to be kind, to be merciful, to be giving. Help us in that area. And help us, Father, to look at our lives and realize that we are sinners saved by grace. It's grace, not of works. And so there's no boasting for us to do. So help us, Lord, to realize that and apply that to our lives in very practical ways. And then, Father, help us, O oh God, to get out of ourselves and ask how we can minister to the other person. How can we be a blessing to this person? How can we be one of your agents at that moment to bless this other individual? We ask these things in Christ's name.